everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Forbidden Love Rugby Podcast. I'm Reese, and I'm pleased to say I'm joined by Liam and Mikey. How are you both doing, boys? Oh, not too shabby. Not too shabby. Oh, good, good this week. Lovely stuff. How's how's your week's been going so far, boys? Any anything to report? Uh, it's like a bit of soreness from the weekend, but I'm sure we'll uh, come to that. Oh, you had a game, didn't you? Aye, aye. Kept that one quiet in the part last week. <laughs> Nobody was it, it, it was it was very touch and go right up until one o'clock. We, very we ca- touch and go. We carry we cover seven teams on this podcast, right? The four <laughs> regions: Wales, four. the Jets, and Nelson. Yeah. Oh, did it go? What did you have? Oh, uh, we played Aberdeen seconds in a, a very tasty encounter. What, home or away? Uh, away over in uh, near is the on the uh, near the. S- Sawbell Centre or it's about, behind Aberdeen. Ah, the Leisure Centre, sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, no, I've played a bit of him in the past, I think. Yeah, we've had many a good dust ups with Aberdeen over there. Yeah. And uh, the, the Saturday just gone was no different. Uh, <laughs> um, we didn't win. We lost. Yeah. Um, it was only a friendly, so it's, uh, it's a game just to sort of like, you know, give some boys a run out, like, isn't it? And yeah. uh, you know, test the fitness. And my God, was it fit- was it tested? <laughs> I kid you not, right? The ref, <laughs> the referee was under assessment as well, which was it's always good fun to see a ref sort of like, uh, you know, um, out in the play, not play by the rules per se, but be a bit more wooden <laughs> and a bit more stiff, like. But uh, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, um, oh, my God, the first twenty minutes we had forty scrubs. No, well that's what it felt like, right? Honestly, <laughs> that's, I was that's just heaven for you, isn't it? Oh, it is. I mean, that's your that's your leg. Right. Yeah, it is. I I was I was I was in fine fettle as well. Right, me and <laughs> me and my buddy Lloyd. Right, with Trout in the middle of us, Matthew. Right, we won every scrum. Did the ref see that? I way? was. Yeah, I wasn't theirs. <laughs> I wasn't against the head. We took absolutely every scrum against the head. Nice. And saying that from every only one scrum, one scrum we lost. Right, and that's because the ball. It was our scrum. We lost it. it. The ball had bounced off my foot. I you know, repositioned in as you're going in. So, you know, and they went bonkers, right? Yes. As if they, they'd won the World Cup. Oh, it was, you know, it was Maro Earl or Ben Atorji, one of them. <laughs> but uh, it, it gets better, right? Um, we'll, we'll be tied refs, right? Because I, I, I like to have a little bit of fun with the refs. So, um, uh, there was a line out, and I was blowing after all these scrums. And, um, uh, like not, and I went up to Mark, Mark with the ref, like the the front front lifter, and um, I said, oh, "Ref, how long's left?" Thinking there must be only about ten minutes left. He said, "Oh, there's twenty minutes left." <laughs> right. I said, "Shh." I said, "Shut up, Blue. You must have stopped that clock." <laughs> oh no, no, I haven't. Because <laughs> <laughs> because he had a, he had a microphone on as well, so the ref and the, oh, they mic'd up for assessment. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, and because the assessor was was up in the, up in the stand as well, so um, I hope the ref caught the the assessor caught that, and I hope he had a bit of a giggle to it. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I bet. I could say if you look if you looked at the stands at uh, their assessor would have been having a laugh. How about you, Biz? You've been uh, you've been keeping busy. Oh, flat out this week, pal. Um, get just get everything ready for the weekend, really. Uh, uh, big game. Challenge Cup on the weekend, and yeah, getting everything arranged, getting make sure everyone's registered. Speaking to the RFL, it's like it, it's been bonkers. The weather has been savage the last couple of weeks, and it rain, rain, rain. This week now dries up, and now we're at the mercy of the bloody frost. Yeah. So oh, you tough rugby league boys should be able to manage that. Surely, it doesn't help that we we we're playing the game in Ebbwville. 
<laughs> so I, I couldn't have picked a colder place than Wales. Above the tree line, like, yeah. <laughs> to, to play the game. So now we're literally on our knees begging to the bloody Frost, Jack Frost to stay away for Saturday. What, uh, what time's Abacana's got, a, Abacana's got a 4G, haven't he? Yeah, not for playing on. Because <laughs> so, uh, when, when's yeah. kick-off? It's sort of half one, one. one, half one. Ah, yeah. Hopefully it'll be all right. Half one kickoff. So we obviously the the guys they're coming down from Leeds and they're coming down on Friday night. Yeah. So you know we've got and they go home Sunday. So that gives us a scope to push it back if we need to to have a bit more sun on it. It sounds like but, these uh, boys are planning on going out in Abu Vale. <laughs> <laughs> no, to be fair, to be fair, they booked a hotel in Newport City Centre. Oh, there we go. Look, so not a lack of my advice or anything like that, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Newport so, so City Centre. They've still got a bit of travelling to do, even when they get you. Then, yeah, like you know, no. Abbeville's not exactly no, down the road from Newport. No, 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 but uh, but no. To be fair, like, you know, got to take my hat off and you know, massive thank you to uh, Abbeville RFC, who's seemed to have you know put the red carpet out for us. They're they're really looking forward to hosting us. Oh, great. And we can't wait to play there. Lovely stuff. Have they sort of uh, said anything about sort of a future sort of? Plan of working together with the Jets, maybe, or is it sort um, of? Uh... It's it's all up in the air at the moment. Like you know, it's whatever happens will be in the best interest of the club. You yeah. know, we've got to we've got to look into um, future venue and 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 you know whether that's staying in Merthyr or whether that's moving down or moving across. But uh, whatever happens, it'll be in the best interest of the club. Because in terms of the rugby, maybe like you know, staying in Merthyr would be best because you know. You're guaranteed to play on a, a reasonably well. The facilities sp- there are great. It's a spongy pitch, like you know, the yeah. the four Gs are spongy. Whereas, like you know, you oh, play in on the a... summer, in the summer, it's very warm pitch as well. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. We had a few days in the sunshine, and and the, the heat coming off it was crazy. It yeah. literally, you stood still for two minutes, and your feet were on fire. Have you heard somebody else say that this week as well? It's uh, yeah, it's something you don't rethink about, but of course it would. Yeah, it's. Uh... Uh, yes, it's, uh, it's yeah. You can have different challenges. Obviously, you know, it doesn't hold the water, so you know you can play all all seasons. But in the summertime, it does retain the heat a lot. Mm. Yeah, it's basically a storage heater, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Class. All right. Well, if you um, want to get in touch with the pod, we are at FL Rugby Pod on X. I'm at RJJ Blue and Black. Mikey is at Mikey S Harris, and Liam is at Biz nineteen eighty four. Um, no regional games on the weekend, so I, I think it's going to be a fairly news-heavy episode where we maybe you know what get, that means, Reece? We're going to have to get into the weeds a bit, aren't we? <laughs> you know what that means? The Scarlets didn't lose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, every every cloud. It's, yeah, yeah no, first, that's, that's first the point. For a long time. Yeah, first weekend, actually, all the regions <laughs> didn't lose. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to start a group on the old X, Twitter, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. And I'm going to call it, Did the Scarlets Win? <laughs> no. Uh, you're gonna, no. You're going to no. wear out your end no. and your own. Oh, yes. And I don't mind that. I mean, <laughs> if they can do one for the Dragons, I'm sure this one can be done for the Scarlets. Oh, no, here he goes. Definitely. Um, I guess some sad news to start then. It, the news broke last night that uh, JPR has sadly passed away, aged 74. Um, I'll come to you first, Mikey. It's, it's, it's just one of those names you've always known about when it comes to Welsh rugby, isn't it? <laughs> synonymous i mean played in an absolute one of the players who played in that generation of the golden age of rugby and um i think you know whether you're the seeing jpr at first hand or on recordings i mean you can absolutely appreciate the man for the player 
that he was and um, uh, still plugging away up to the age of 50 for Tondi. And when I read that last night, I found that absolutely insane. Up till 2000, retired in 2003. Do you know, do you know what? what an absolute warrior of a, of a, of a, of a man and, and, a, and a gentleman. And um, I'm sure a lot of us on the pod um, send our condolences to friends, family and the wider, wider rugby uh, community. The, the mad thing about that is I was reading that exact same thing as you were. And then there was a sentence after I said, However, he reverted to his favoured position of flanker. <laughs> he was he's, playing flanker in the lower leagues in his fifties. <laughs> heroes, yeah, they—they're the heroes we we we've been privileged to have in in rugby, and and you don't see them anymore. And he was truly from that generation, which you know played for the heart and and nothing else. The word the word legend gets banded about a lot these days, but you know that's it's, it should be left for people like him. Yeah. So he, he, you know, it's not just Wales, but the Lions, and you know, oh, they revered right across you know, the world of rugby. You know, you see the, the the pouring in of the condolences, and it's not just from Wales. It's you know, you see the tweets from England, Scotland, Ireland, everywhere, and and that, and that's what makes him, you know, a, a legend, a generational player. That you know, they don't come around often. I saw well, again one but, of them players that could cross generations as well. I mean, you could put him in in the jersey today, and yeah. do as good a job, if not better than anything we can see in the Northern Hemisphere at the very least, if not globally. I um I, I saw a brilliant thing last night as well where apparently um when he was on that Lions tour and he kicked that drop goal, it was out of spite. Um, so apparently one of his teammates was telling him that he was no good at kicking goals. He wasn't a proper fullback. Oh <laughs> and, my that's God. The, and that's the reason he sort of belted it over. Did he know who he was talking to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another thing is I didn't realize he'd won junior Wimbledon as well. I don't know he's what he was. Any... Sportsman that was yeah. literally yeah. good at everything, isn't he? Yeah, that's just, just you know, exactly I, that's, the same thing. I was reading the stories like he was literally good at every sport. He, he could play golf, he could play tennis, anything. He put his hands to, and he could. You know, he was one of them kids in school that you hated because they were good at everything. Mm. Blessed to see uh, such a gifted individual in a team full of gifted individuals. Yeah, I was thinking about the back line he'd been a part of, like sort of like Sugarath, you know, Phil Bennett, uh, Fenwick, Grav, JJ Williams, Garth, um, Gerald Davis, JPR. Like, I, I just just rattling them names off. Like, there is it's unreal the 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 talent that was is that we we were able to sort of look back on YouTube videos and and such. And unreal and, and and proud to call him Welsh not just Welsh but Lions as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think the next thing that we're gonna spend quite a bit of time on is this uh joint supporters group letter to uh new WIU CEO Abby Turney. Um there's four points in there really that they've they've asked her to address. Um I I like that they've gone in quite early. Um, and try to get answers immediately because I mean I think it's her first week in the job, so yeah, uh, yeah great. Um, so there's four points. One of them's the COVID loan. One of them's funding for the pro game. The third is WIU finances, and the fourth is Dragons ownership. So if we go to the COVID loan first, Liam. Um, for the, for the listeners who aren't really aware, so uh, during the pandemic, uh, the WRU took out a loan on behalf of the regions because uh, there wasn't much support from the Welsh government. Um, and 
clubs in England, Scotland, Ireland were offered more favourable terms. Um, sort of paying the loans back at about two percent. Now the Welsh clubs are paying it back at eight point two five percent. So what what are your thoughts on that for, as a start? It, it's it's bizarre, isn't it? You know, as you look at all the other clubs in in the UK, and they've been given a lot more help than yeah. than the Welsh teams. Um, it's so you sort of look at it from from the outside and think there's, there's got to be something more behind it. Why the why the WU are doing it? You know, is is their agenda to lose a team? And you know, they don't want to come outright come out and say right, we want to go to three. So they're just hoping that one one of us just loses, you know, and gets goes into administration, whatever. But the terms them loans, you know, other teams are paying back two percent, and we're we're paying eight dish. It, it's just it, it, it it's mind boggling. Yeah, how can you expect a team to not even just compete, just to survive? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not it's not a, it's not even about competing anymore. It's about survival. I mean, if the capital if the capitals of the loans were the same across the, all the different clubs. You know the interest payments for us are four times greater and a bit more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Mike. You were, you were going to come yeah, in there. See, see, like you know, with with the conditions that the the financial constraints and the the repayments and the the percentages are, like you know, how much money would the would the clubs have available? The regions have available to them to to fund the teams. I mean, properly and fully into the to the best of their abilities. With, yeah. with without having the sort of, you know, like I said, if it was, I mean, if if, if even if it was half of it, four percent. Mm. You know, how much revenue would would that release back to the or make available? So well, yeah, you'd half region. the interest payments. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I mean, it's like you got to wonder who who was making the decisions and who was agreeing, really. Yeah, I, I think it was more a case of the regions had to agree to it. Like I say, it's that survival, isn't it? It's, it was a case of if they don't take this money and at them terms. Then there is no club next year. And, and that's, and that's the, yeah, that, that's the be all end all of it. There's, there was a, there were only so many baseball caps and NHS jerseys you could buy. You know, yeah. you know, you know, funding pro rugby by doing that. Yeah. Going back to something you said just now, Liam, about uh, the one they're hoping for one region to go, but not say it, say it directly. Um, he was in a Sam Oblands column the other day, I think. Was it was it him that was saying that, uh, you know, behind you know, fingers pointing towards that kind of setup and scenario? If I got the wrong uh, the wrong player, maybe I don't know. Like, but uh, I mean, it does make you think in that kind of way, where, um, you know, if they only wanted three, they should be a bit open and honest like about and say it, and then yeah. maybe maybe there did be some buy into a bit of honesty. But the way I it's going, the, I think that's the problem with Welsh rugby is yeah. that nobody actually wants to put their hands up and say. This is what we want. This is what we need. This is how it's going to be, and it's it's all left to, to ifs and buts. You know, they... you'd feel the backlash then, though. I mean, like from from even the inception twenty years ago of regional rugby, was it the right decision? I mean, it would have gone from five to four to three, yeah, to to two, <laughs> and then it's, it's the, flat the, lines. Like the definition of insanity is is doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same results. And, and that's what we seem to be doing. We seem to be going round in circles and getting nothing from it. I, I know, do. It's... I do wish we could go back in time to when the gang of six were approached by the English leagues. And yeah, just gone with it. Why, um, why? Why didn't we? Like, again, like I say, I think that that's the way forward. 
is, you know, you look at the, the Cardiff game again this weekend, 200 mm. tickets off, off a sell-out. Yeah. You know, for any game apart from any derbies or Anglo-Welsh fixtures, don't get half the interest. Funnily enough, I, I saw a comment on that. Um, we've got Connaught as our next home game after that, and somebody said we should... Um, we should be pushing to market that as aggressively as we marked in the Quinns game. But it's like, ultimately, it won't matter. You'll get about 7,000 people. Yeah. Yes, Maggie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, You've seen the race. I was just about to uh, going to ask something similar on the Connell point there. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I think you're quite right there. Um, you won't see more than maybe half of what the stadium mm. is 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 uh, able to hold. But... Um, do, do, do we think is it just a matter of circumstance now? Uh, we just happen to have derbies over the Christmas pe- Christmas New Year period, and the uh, Heineken the European Cups um, fixtures coming on the back of them. Is this just a, a, a knock on effect, or and then you know, or is it just sort of um, how can I put it? Uh, it's fashionable right now. Since yeah. if, this, if, this, if this is two months, if the fixtures were two months apart, like, you know, if we didn't have the Christmas fixtures now and the the, the European games been coming now for another six, eight weeks, would there be that same same generation in interest? It's a very I good question. Like, You'd like to think I, so? I, just I, think think. It's, I think it's the fact that the game is accessible to both sets of fans. Hmm. It's, it's Harlequins is two hours up the road, up the M4. It's one street road down to Cardiff. Do you know so what? I mean, I've, been, um, I've been browsing Reddit this week and in the Cardiff, not the Cardiff rugby subreddit, the just Cardiff general city chat subreddit, lots of people putting comments in there saying, where's good to go? Where's a good rugby pub for before the game? You know, I'm yeah. coming in from London. What, what do you recommend? Where should I stay in all this? You never yeah. get that. Like these are just normal people on a normal general internet forum discussing about where to go in town before the game. I mean, the benefit that has to the city as well as the rugby team, man. Yeah, it's just accessible for both fans, and that's the main thing. I see Mikey's point, though, um, because I think we have been incredibly fortunate about the fixtures of fall in the last few weeks. And yeah, you're right, Mike. I think we've generated some momentum in so much as, you know, we had a couple of derbies. We had a close game against Bath. We had a demolition job of the Dragons. Um, And now we've got another English team rolling into town. Yeah, definitely. It generates hype. But imagine a season where we had week after week after week of that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then you look at the Scarlet's Edinburgh game next week, there'll be 6,000, 6,500 there max. You know what I mean? And it's, it's again, that's one because of Scarlet's poor performance at the moment, but it's because it's the fact that Edinburgh won't send any fans down. What do you think about you know this? You mentioned that sort of not not sending fans down. I mean, if you look at it from a absolute local perspective, right? Um, I mean, I if if like let's talk talking the world of hypothetics. Let's say now there was a British and Irish league. Let's say there was an equal teams sort of five English, two Welsh, two Irish, and a Scottish team in each pool, for example. Roll with it in there. Thinking about it, like you get five English teams playing home out of nine games. So generating just specifically for your home fans. Let's let's say like you know you you lose interest in the in the U.S. and the in the the Irish and Scottish games because they lack the atmosphere. Are you gonna scupper four games for the sake of or you have a derby as well? Obviously scupper three games for the sake of six. 
you know, just going to go as a fan to watch the other Scottish and the Irish teams as well as, as part of a season ticket or as as as, as a casual fan kind of thing. I get well, it that the, 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 the opposite teams. I get it that the opposition. I get it that the opposition won't send. They, they will have many travelling support, particularly Ireland, Scotland. But, it, it, works, it works both ways as well because I've been to Glasgow and I was one of, I'd say, 40 fans, 40 Scottish fans there. And again, it's, it's, you know, you've got a home crowd, it's a decent home crowd, but they're compensated by, they're compensated properly by their unions. Yeah. You know, Glasgow and Edinburgh are run by the, by the Scottish Union and they're compensated fairly for that. You know, the, the, you look at the Irish teams, because of their success, they get people to the gates anyway. And then you've got Dublin, you know, Leinster. They, 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 don't, they don't need to rely on, on away fans because they've got a population bigger than Wales in Dublin anyway. You know what I mean? So they've got more football to, to come through the door. Wales fans rely on, uh, Wales teams rely on people coming through the gate. And unless we can fill our stadium week in, week out, then we're on a loss straight off. Uh, am I right, right in thinking as well, like the television money doesn't go directly to the regions, it goes to the WIU who then yeah. funnel it to the regions. And like, this ties into what you're saying about properly funding the teams. Like this layer of obfuscation, I think makes it quite easy for, you know, the funding to be as shit as it is. Yeah. It is, it is I mean, I suppose, I don't suppose the regions themselves can cut the deal with the television it has to be it would have to be this i suppose i suppose the the league and the, 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 the URC, well yeah, yeah, unfortunately yes but i think yeah. if there was more um uh devolved power to the league i mean but then right now if if the, if the teams were negotiating their own deals they they couldn't command anything anyway because the 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 end product is garbage. I so think that's, the, that's why they have to go in as a as a collective rather yeah. than as individual. Yeah. Hence exactly. why. If you if you're being generous to the URC, it's got potentially a huge television audience. Yeah. Because it's got South Africa, which to be fair is rugby mad, the entire country. Italy, you know, there's 70 million people there, but not many of them watch rugby. So you um, take you uh, to, just on that point there, you take South Africa, for example, they had um, over Christmas, they had one of the derbies. I think it was Stormers against the Bulls, and like that. And there was a crowd of 36,000 or something like that, which is great for the league, great for them. Yeah. Um, again, cost of tickets is quite low, but it doesn't come into it. But then you look at teams at games in the Champions Cup when they've had, you know, the big French teams go down there, the big English teams go down there. They're still only getting twelve thousand fans to the door. Yeah. I mean, you, you know can what I mean? say the it, same firm. Same or less for when you get one of the Welsh teams going down there. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think looking at South Africa, I, I I feel they're in a similar kind of quagmire as France. I mean, to say that they are they support their own teams better. Oh yeah. No, so yeah. why not France just in world, France in a world of its own? Yeah, it's, looking looking at you know France's top D two is is selling out games every single week. But, but you, you could not compare apples and pears, of course. But you see, like the top fourteen, I I, I see similar, not identical, but similar connotations out of the Curry Cup. I mean, South Africa, South Africa can well be 
self-sufficient in in that sense the top 14 is, is self-sufficient yeah. in that sense so personally i don't see the need for the south african teams to come into the to european tournament Again, I, I don't agree with it. I, again, like like I said, I've said all along since the start of this league, it, it benefits everybody apart from the Welsh teams. Yeah, yeah. Because it, we're it was, the only ones that rely on football. I, I think the reason we were so successful in the early days was just because it coincided with us being a quite a good internationals sort of setup. Yeah. Um, and yeah, since then, like the call, like maybe the Scots and the Irish weren't quite. Well, anywhere near where they are these days either. Um, so yeah, you know, it was it was probably realistic to expect us to win it quite, quite a lot. But now, like the Scottish teams, hell, even Benetton, you know, yeah. we've got South African teams, we've got Irish teams, all just far superior to our teams. Like this, yeah, just doesn't suit us at all. Um, I and think, I, I think what you're saying there, we see, goes back to maybe the eight percent that the yeah, Rangers well, have to pay. Well, here we go. I mean, so the second point on the letter is about funding, direct funding, as opposed to the loan repayments. So um, before COVID, the payment for services from the WIU to the regions was a total of £27 million. Um, That'll be down at 13.5 next season, giving each club £4.5 million um down from 5.2 this season um scottish and irish clubs are increasing investment into the supply chain um so the joint supporters group are calling for 23.5 million to be guaranteed for next season as it is this season i mean i'm I'm gonna stop talking a minute boys uh so basically from this season to the next season the payment for services is going to drop by 10 million pounds divided by four clubs your thoughts each yeah it's absolutely bonkers. You look at the figures and sort of maybe have a nod towards the uh, the economic situation. Like, I mean, like I think we wax lyrical about it before. I mean, how are clubs will supposed to survive? Exactly, yeah. and, and yeah. that's what that's what it will be survival mode, and that's it. I mean, like, it's the, we've said it before. Like they've gone and spent money on a hotel, a roof walk, and paying off ex employees. Well, actually, Mikey, that's an excellent segue. That's that's point three on the letter. It's uh, almost like I've read the letter, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, so WIU Finances, we would like the WIU to give supporters clarity on its financial strategy going forward. Over recent years, we understand CVC money has been spent on several non-rugby projects. Further to this, we would like to understand how an organisation with a turnover in excess of £100 million is only able to spend £18 million on the professional game. Whereas the Scottish Rugby Union can spend twenty-five million of a much lower turnover, uh, we urge you to conduct a financial review to identify ways spending or assets could be better allocated or divested to support the WIU's core business of rugby. So yeah, it's exactly what you're saying, basically, in much more diplomatic language. Why the fuck have you built a zipline? Yeah. We have the union have to be supporting the product that's on the field. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's where you know you can have the best stadium in the world, you can have the best hotel in the world, you can have the best zip line in the world, or roof walk or whatever you want to call it. Hell you, you can even have the comfiest seats to the stadium. That's not gonna make a difference. People want to see success on the yeah. pitch. And I mean, look look what a little bit of investment has done. Inve- so a little bit of investment in women's rugby has done to the interest around women's rugby. 
like all of a sudden people are starting to give a shit and yeah. that, that's what you need you just need to invest in the product yeah i think the problem is as well is the success of team wheels mm. has pipped over the cracks massively yeah massively over the last four or five years you know it's, it's the success oh well, i say, say four or five years i say 10 years the Grand Slams we've had, the, the Six Nations cycles we've had, it's, it's paper over the cracks because th- this investment has slowly gone down year on year on year, and they're expecting you know the players to stay in Wales. It's 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 just insane. It's, it's it is insanity that you know we expect our players to put themselves in them conditions. It's it's a short career. We you know players are going to look after themselves, and that's you know quite clearly what they're doing. Well, a little bit more on that after the break, because um, we're going to be talking yeah. about players on the move there. Um, so maybe we get into the reasons why, etc. cetera. Uh, the final point then has suddenly become a bit of a contentious point in the last couple of hours. So um, the JSG, including the Dragon Supporters Club yesterday, noted that over 10 million of additional WIU funds were spent on the Dragons whilst owned by the WIU in contravention of an agreement, which said that any it'd be a cost-neutral operation and every additional pound spent on the Dragons would be reciprocated to the other free clubs. Now, when that broke, that was a fucking bombshell. Uh, yeah. But now the Dragons official supporters clubs are distancing themselves from those comments. So, uh, Murky Waters, boys, Mikey, I'll, I'll come to you. Because <laughs> um, well, if there's anyone who could wade through the murk, is is you? Is <laughs> Drekken? Aye. Go and get my um, go and get, go and get um some get... salad pets and galoshes now. Is there anything that's really going to get through this this murk? Get your ankles dirty and tell us what you think of that. Something like that. Well, I think, I mean, if you're the dragons, I mean, you're going to want to stay as far away from that point in particular <laughs> as possible. And, you know, the rest, they can throw their collective weight behind in you know, wanting answers from the WRU. And, you know, I think you know, there's there's no time like the, you know, the, the adage is, no, there's no time like the present for Ali Turney to get one of these letters. And it probably wasn't unexpected either. But to mm. come so soon and with such... Um, requirements from the WRU I think you know they'll need a week or two just to look over it like but to go back to the point about the Dragons um, supporters club um, I think yeah they are quite right to put themselves from it like but I think what it's a, it's a figure isn't it I think mm. 10 million is, is is a figure of 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 this additional funding that's been put the Dragons way I don't know where Let's be, let's be markedly honest. Like we don't know mm. where it's gone. However, um, it'd be interesting to see a breakdown of what that actually constituted. Was it, you know, have they have they put this ten million under and dragon's umbrella and cut and said, I don't know, was it just sort of funding the the community game or a new pitch or yeah, or what, 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 yeah. what actually was it for? Can it be yeah. accounted for reasonably as to why the other regions? Mm weren't um, reciprocated as per the agreement, <laughs> yeah. I guess. It goes back to my point earlier that the you want one of the other teams to go bust. Mm. They, they've kept them going and hoping that one of the other teams wouldn't survive. Well, I mean, it almost happened with the Ospreys mergers and stuff, didn't it? Like, yeah. uh, before we get beaten by the clock, boys, this already, you know, the bickering between the supporters clubs on point four, is this sort of, um, you know, uh, made the let lose his credibility all of a sudden. I mean, it's barely been out for 24 hours and we're already arguing about point four. It's one of yeah. those things. And if, if it is true, then obviously we need answers because 
you know, this it's where where's the where's the money going to come from to pay the other regions? And it's not a joint supporters group letter. There's conflict within <laughs> yeah. the letter itself. <laughs> it's, this is so Welsh rugby, isn't it? Like, <laughs> it, it? It's not a joined up approach. I mean, if there was any sense and reason, right, I'm sure that letter would have had to be proofread by. Yeah. Those yeah. on the like, let's let's quote. I, I'm not sure, and if I'm using the wrong words, words from the joint supporters group, apologies. Please let us know, and we can be a bit more informed. There was a board of representatives from each region, which I assume they would be. You know, how yeah, yeah, yeah. did anyone from the Dragons supporters club let that through? I mean, you know, it seems like their arguments would be, you know, as the constitution of a slice of Swiss cheese. All right then, boys. Well, when we come back, look, we'll uh, we'll have a discussion about uh, players staying, players moving, um, and yeah, that'll dovetail quite neatly in with uh, what we've spoken about there. So, uh, catch you in a minute, and tara. All right, welcome back, everybody. Um, as promised, we're going to be talking about uh, players who will be definitely on the move at the end of the season, and also maybe on the end of the move this season. Uh, Mikey, first things first, then. It's been announced in the last couple of days that Thomas Williams is definitely off to Gloucester. What are your What are your thoughts on that? I'll come to Biz second as a Gloucester fan. Give us your Give us your insight as a as a Welsh rugby fan. Ah, uh, um, he, he served Wales well. He served Cardiff well, and uh, let's not forget he served Ponty well as well. So, and Triorki, uh, <laughs> and Triorki, <laughs> Let's not forget, yeah. So, you know it. He's at that point in his career where I think, you know, has he got the legs left in him for Wales? And if he doesn't need to be in the country, he hasn't got to stay in the country. Wish him well. He's been a great servant. Done his absolute best when asked of him and uh, all the best to him. I think at 29 with 53 caps, I reckon he could get to 75 quite easily, see. Um he probably could like, but you know, he's he's still got the potential to be able to do be able to do so. Like, you know, he's not exactly a million miles away. No. And no, I'm no. sure I'm sure the, the the coaching upper echelons or the coaching staff will be keeping a close eye, much as they do with no doubt they do with Dylan Lewis. No, I, I know nothing of uh Thomas Williams's personal life. I, I know that he hails from Triorki. Um if he's still got ties there. A house in, say, Abergavenny is an hour between Gloucester and Triorki. You know, so it's, you know, and a drive from Cardiff to Triorki is practically an hour. So, you know, it's not, not going to make his life a whole lot different, is it? You know? No, it's, he could situ- situate himself quite well in, uh, let's be honest, quite a nice part of the country, really, isn't it? Oh, I. But, yeah. um, you know, I think he's, in terms of his sort of career, like, you know, I said 50 caps in for, for wheels, that's not to be sniffed at. Yeah. Um, he's probably still in the one of the top picks that's come off of Wales as well. So um, not that he sort of commands his place, like mm. any player should really be able to, but, you know, he's he never, he hasn't been out with the squad. Yeah. Uh, Biz, late, like who's he going to be competing with down at Gloucester for that nine jersey? So, they, with Thomas Williams on board, they've got three international nines. Yeah. So you have Stephen Varney, Charlie Chaplin, and... Uh, just <laughs> so, Char- Charlie Chaplin. He's a mime. That's his name. That's his name. But them two, though, them two are products of the Gloucester Academy. Yeah. Because so, Varney's you know, a scarlet by birth, isn't he? He's, yeah, he's from down the West. But, he's, uh, a, he's, I think, ooh. Italy's first ever Welsh speaking player. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 
you know, so it's going to be tough competition there for him. Mm. Um, I think it's a good move for him personally, but again, it comes back to the state of Welsh rugby where we are at the moment. You know, he's 29 years old, so you know he's not exactly past it. He's got a good few years left in him yet, in my opinion, and mm. I think he could take maybe 80, 90 caps if you know if 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 he's on form, especially playing in that league. Yeah. So he can he could pick up a bit of form, and he could very well be the best nine in Wales. I was. Well, Sorry, go on, Mikey. On the point of Gloucester, they, you know, being able to fund two international scrum halves, three international scrum halves with they, yeah. surely they're all on a particular sort of wage band due to their international cappage. How are they doing it? Because they sell out their ground every week. <laughs> 14,000 people every single week. I think the English clubs get a direct chunk of the television money as well don't they they it's um, there is a salary cap but well this is what i was going to say there's a salary cap so how are they managing it within that salary cap is this going to be another matter of another club that gets found out or in a similar way to the saracens department if you look at gloucester they, they haven't done what other teams have done yeah so you're allowed to... had the, you, you've allowed the marquee player aren't you that's what i was going to say i think you're allowed one or more marquee players who are, don't contribute to the salary yeah. band. So yeah, in theory, you could spend £2 million on Anton Dupont. He wouldn't be in yeah, the salary cap, be, yeah. There used to be two marquee players, but now it's one. And I think their salary cap isn't far off what ours is. It's, it's five and a half million. Yeah. Um, down, down from eight, which it was That's pre-COVID. Right. Yeah. So, you know, they, they've had similar, but they, they managed to do with it. A lot more than what Welsh teams do. Well, the the other thing is, all of those teams are playing in a league where all the teams are subject to the same salary cap. You know, we we've yeah. self imposed a salary cap in a league where the other some of the other there teams don't have one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Imagine the Wales without a salary cap. Oh Christ! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not in, in a, it wouldn't be a positive thing in the current state of play. I, I yeah, I, I, make any difference. I don't think there'd be any more money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there is that. Um, I, I was trying to make the point earlier on Twitter, I don't know how well I was doing it, that like it might not be entirely money. And I've, I've got this little pet theory at the minute where, um, you know, say Gloucester and Cardiff are offering Thomas Williams the same wage. Part of me thinks, well, you know, if you're in, playing in the URC, that's six weekends you got to spend abroad on top of European matches. Facilities at the Welsh clubs aren't great versus Gloucester now. They've got a state-of-the-art facility i feel like if you factor all the stuff in you know you've got your work-life balance you've got your facilities you've got a new challenge um it i i don't necessarily think because there's been a lot of talk in the week hasn't there about the the, the draw of the welsh jersey has lost its appeal but i don't know if it is that i think it's playing your domestic league rugby in the urc it, it's just not worth the welsh jersey if that makes sense have you got a point there yeah it's um, more appealing to a certain generation of player, I think, mm. because yeah. um, like you know, in, in personal circumstances, if you're a young eighteen to twenty-one year old, thinking, "Oh yeah, I can get around the country, get around Europe yeah. now, and have a look at the Italy's," you know, the the I say, look around Europe. I mean, yeah. we go as far as Italy, like I mean, France. If you're lucky enough to be part of a European team in that area, Black Lion over in Georgia. Well, and South Africa. Let's not forget. And I'm just going to come around South Africa. You'll absolutely enjoy it, like, but um, listening to some pros and put ex pros and stuff like that, like, um, 
and they say like you know you never get to see the the sites of the cities because mm. you're there for, for for 48 hours and you know you, you turn up in the dark you sleep until you gotta go to the game you come home maybe and then you're straight back on the plane home kind of thing yeah. there's when they, you know, there's there's the chat that goes around like saying from the, from the wags the wives girlfriends oh you've got to go to all these lovely places and see all these lovely they can categorically I, I, say I can they vouch, don't I can vouch for that when I, when I went to Breve on the, on the team flight I think we were away from Cardiff for about 36 hours <laughs> you know yeah. it was mad you look at the you look at the conditions that we've imposed on these players as well right so when, I'll be honest when Gatlin's law came in and it was you have to you know to leave Wales. Personally, I thought it was a good thing. It, it meant that your top players are coming back to Wales. Your top players are playing in Wales. It made the region stronger, and all in all, it was a big thing. Now that dropped to twenty five, and the salary bandings that we have imposed on certain players in in the country. The only people that are um, that this is having a negative impact on. Are the ones that are up and coming? The yeah. players are, you know, the players are coming through the, the line. They're coming, coming through the academies and, and, and bursting onto the scene. They're the players that are actually losing out yeah, because could... they're the ones that have to stay on unrealistic salaries because they're being offered absolutely peanuts. Joe Hawkins, for example, Max yeah, and then you look at the players who are established, <laughs> the ones that have got twenty-five caps or more. They can go and play where they want. Yeah. So, 25, you know, isn't a, 25 isn't a fair number. 25 yeah. is far this is far too low a cap. Just scrap it. Just scrap it. If it if, 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 yeah, if you go if you go into 25, scrap it. And I don't yeah. I don't I don't see the point of the salary bands if I'm being entirely yeah, honest. Exactly. Like, you play a player on their on their value to the site. It's, not... Especially in like this world where like you know in the summer tour in a Lions year, you know. Yeah. Some guys get capped who wouldn't normally get capped, and all of a sudden now they're in a different salary band. Is <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't think we're, we're, our youngsters at the moment have, have got no hope. There's no, there's, why wouldn't they leave? Like moving on to the the extra winger, you know, why would he? Why would he put himself in the picture for Wales when knowing in a year's time or two years time when his contract's up, he wants to carry on that jersey? He has to move back. Well, and the other thing is, um, yeah, he's got he's in medical school as well. You know, yeah. it's a seven year degree. Exactly. He's got four years left. Go on, Mikey. I think the um Emmanuel Fabo. Fabo thanks for that. I was gonna sort of something else was gonna fumble up my mouth then. Um which didn't resemble Fabo Boso. <laughs> um, I think this is a different circumstance. I think he's clearly made that decision based on his post rugby career. Not on his current situation, play for Exeter. I, I don't think it is. He's a well, he's Welsh through and through. In, in many interviews, he said he wants to play for Wales. He wants to play for Wales, but there's there's different conditions. So one imposed on by the English Rugby Union, because if he does sign for uh, play for Wales, he is then classed as a non-English qualified player, yeah. which makes Exeter have they've got a quota of non-English players that they're allowed to play. So he goes against that. And two, in two years' time, he would have to move back to Wales, which would then disrupt his studies. There has to be, either either scrap it all together, or there has to be um, caveats so that players like him in his position, where education comes into it, should allow him to carry on. 
the only way it's going to change is if there becomes a wider British league. And I say, and I'm not you know, putting that, stamping that to a British and Irish league, a wider, more inclusive local league. That's mm-hmm. the only way that's going to go because there has to be then some joint, there has to be rules within that league and a more joined up approach from all unions, both unions, all unions involved to ensure that players playing in them leagues are available to their countries for international honours, for the camps when they need to be. This is part of the issue, like you're saying, you know, being available. Yeah. If you're playing in England and playing for Wales, you don't get released and then you've got to go back and flog yourself again but in the final weeks of the Six Nations. There should be clear and outlined international windows. There are. Where yeah. Yeah, then it should be they should be by definition, if you're an international player, you should be available for that. Yeah, because Wales and always add extra training camps and extra yeah. games outside the windows, don't they? It's, it's why we played the yeah. all blacks with like a, a team yeah. of Second stringers a couple of summers back. I think when Ben Thomas was playing fly half, bless him, but you know, he was only in his first senior year of rugby, you know. Yeah, there's an element of management that needs to come from world rugby just in terms of the international window. But for domestic fixtures, there also need to be a joined up approach from all unions and representatives of those unions, the clubs, the regions, call them what you want, to, to, to ensure that they, that everyone is on the same page and everyone buys into it. There's, there's not there's going to be any buy-in though from everyone. Everyone's not going to buy into the same plan at the same time. So it's not going to suit everyone. Yeah. And it would feel that because England would be providing the most clubs, depending on how you look at it, yeah. you know, as a as a as a union, because you know, less there's you know war games it less, you know, there's four in Wales, there's four in Scotland, uh, sorry, four in Wales, four in Ireland, two in Scotland, ten as it stands in England. I mean that could change overnight. So I think you know England's probably feel they would still, you know, hold the ball in their court, but they'd have to also have to be the ones that would give the most because they can't have it all their own way. And I mean you just take a conversation like doesn't it and someone sort of go, actually, you know what? Let's not do this for the benefit of ourselves. Let's do this for the benefit of our of our region, broader region sort of thing. I don't know. But the only the only teams that's benefiting a, any of these, you know, stipulations and stuff like that. The only teams that are benefiting is the national sides. Well, I think the only teams that's designed to benefit the national sides, but I I feel like actually it might be harming them because all of a sudden we find ourselves in a position where some players aren't available to us because yeah. of our yeah. own sanctions. Um, yeah, twenty five is a silly number. I think you're right, actually. I, I don't think I'd thought of it like this before, but. When it was 60, you did see some superstars come back. Um, and now it's 25. It's almost like, well, I can come back in two years and get to, and you know. Yeah. yeah exactly. To me, there is a cap figure. Mm. What that cap figure is, is not 25. It's certainly not less than 25. It's a lot more than 25. But it's not 60. Yeah. I think 60 was a funny number because, like, you know, I mean, it, 50 for me would have been... For me, you either say, you either put it across the board, you either say, right, you play in Wales, you play for Wales, you don't, you're out. Or you just yeah. allow it. Because, I think I, you're I think right. Because the the notion of um, less, less you know, time together before tournaments and like that, I, I don't buy that anymore. You know, it's it's that extra week with the, with the team. You know, what, what can you actually gain from that? That's the professional, the professional players... And, I, and I personally, I think it, it doesn't offer that much more. Okay, so talking about in a more global context, imagine what Fiji could do with a week more together. 
Well, I, I think we need a global calendar. <laughs> like Fiji, yeah, that's always, yeah. Fiji aren't helped by the fact that, you know, the internationals are literally halfway around the world. Yep. And they, you know, they're fixtures. I mean, you never know. Like, we, we're quite really? in a privileged position where we sort of know who we can be playing every few years. But it's like, yep. Fiji don't. You can't, you can't really, you know, compare the two either. No. You know, you've got, you, you've got Fiji players who have to, congregate from all all sides of the world and you know end up in europe somewhere and then you've got wales who they've got you know they've got players who wanted to go over the border and play and they'll be back within a couple of hours no jet lag no 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 travel time nothing i think like i said it's it's i think it's got to, got to be the point now where it's like right scrap that i i was a massive fan of the 60 cap rule thought it was good for the regions but the way it stands now it is just Garbage. It's it's only good for the regions if the regions can afford to play Welsh players, and if, the, yeah. if they can't, yeah. then it's it's not and, good. And even when the first time I came in, you no, know, the reason why I was so behind it, the reason I was so so such a big fan of it is because I was expecting players like Liam Williams, like like Father Tau and like half all penny. these players out half penny to to come back and play mm. for the regions. But and then, they did. Yeah, some of them did. Some, some of them didn't. He, he came back and played for Cardiff twice. <laughs> <laughs> he, he played four games in two seasons for Scarlets. I know. Because players like that are wrapped up in cotton wool, ready to be rolled out in the Six Nations. Yeah, I do. I, it's, it's so complicated. Not for any, any club fan. Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, I, like we were chatting earlier, weren't we, that like Falatel and Adams, I was pleasantly surprised by how often we saw them. Uh, last season. I mean, Faletel this season, obviously, he's got a broken arm, so that doesn't help. But yeah, those post-World Cup and post-Lions seasons, you never really get the most out of you. And be, you know, before you know it, like the Six Nations will be rolling around and Faletel's getting injured in that. You know? yeah. I think you know, there's, there's an element of, of of the individual as well. I mean, if the individual wants to pull the jersey on, he will. Josh yeah, Adams is a fine example of that. Halfpenny was an example of that. He came back, he wanted to play straight away. And I get that. But then you look at... The, the cohesion of the teams as well, yeah? So now you've got six, seven internationals in your in your squad. They come back in, and because of who they are, they're automatically straight back in the site. I, I get that. I understand that. But then it completely takes away the cohesion and, and the momentum build up of that team. And a prime example of that was when Scarlet's played Sale in the, in the Champions Cup a couple of years back. We, we had a good momentum. We'd won five, six games on the bounce without without the um, international players, come straight back after Six Nations, chucked them all straight back in the team, and we got pumped. Yeah, but that's you a know. management issue on... Some... I'm not saying isn't, but that's, that's what yeah, happens, that's... oh my God. And the, you know, when you've got international standard players, they automatically command a position in that side. Mm. You know, you whether you like that, it or not. But... You're going into a Champions Cup game, you're always going to play your internationals. Surely you mentioned that cohesion, you know, then players have, have gelled together well and they go through the process as well. I'm sure this is the similar story that you're on story that you're on about is where they were coming back and running Wales moves and not Scarlet moves. It's it's, it's all again, it's, it's it's that momentum thing, isn't it? It's just like and again, as professional players, I, I just don't get that. <laughs> For me, that's just mm. no, because they are professional players, you know, they are the bread and butter is with the club or region then yeah. the opportunity is with Wales with the, or the national side well the other thing is like it it does sort of affect contract negotiations as well so like Cardiff have announced this evening that um, 
we're holding on to Willis Hallahol until the end of the season. But like the first thing that struck me about that is it's an incredibly short contract, even though now we have got a bit of money to play with, especially considering how Thomas Williams is no longer on the wage list. It suggests to me really that players are going, well, I'm only going to take a short-term contract because A, I don't know what the cap ruling is going to be. I don't know what band I'm going to be in. I don't know what funding is going to look like. So I'm only going to take a contract to the end of the season because I don't know what Welsh rugby looks like in September. If, like, you know, Falatau is caught between a rock and a... Um, Falatau, sorry, um, Willis Falatau was caught between a rock and a hard place, isn't he? Yeah. He's capped. He demands... You know, and because he's capped, he's in that certain yeah. <laughs> salary banding. And, yeah. you know, has he, has he got enough caps to be able to leave Wales? I, I don't I think, think he has. So. I, I think he's fewer than 10, if I think about it. Yeah. So he's... Is is he's not really sort of appealing to anybody outside of Wales as he stands at the moment. Mm. He's gonna go away as an international player. And if he does, he cuts his Wales career. If he doesn't, he's got to accept whatever the terms of condition <laughs> oh, excuse well, me, uh, coming as, from whatever he can get. As Liam says, like he is now like non-English qualified because he's played for Wales. Um he's he's not in England's our country of resident um heritage for him no so he could never become he can never switch to england so he's incredibly unattractive to english clubs because he's not english qualified france oh he'd love her in the pro leader like you look at look at provence and pro leader and it's the players they're signing it's bonkers like yeah but let's be honest i think i think who's gone there now tom thomas francis george north uh, there's another one signed from recently, isn't it? Or my mistake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, let's let's. I don't think we can make any bones about that. And, and this, the, I don't think them players will get played by Wales playing at the Pro D. Do Sam Davis isn't being looked at. Ross Moriarty mm. isn't being looked at. Yeah, I, and um, anybody else who goes to the Pro D. Do from Wales will have. To pick up the bones if there are any. I think to like try and end this on a bit of a positive. Uh now <laughs> the supporters clubs disagreeing with standing. Um now there's some actual adults in the room. Do, do we just have any optimism that this starts to sort itself out over the next couple of seasons? Well, it can't get worse. Ah has it got to get worse again before it gets better. I was listening to a song the other day by a band uh, called Every Time I Die. And oh, the, one, of the lyrics, up, <laughs> one of the lyrics was uh, something along the lines of there's no way but up from a canyon in hell. And it just got me thinking, <laughs> you, you've not come across Welsh rugby, pal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, we, we do sometimes look at rugby in Wales through rose-tinted glasses, and I think we? we're allowed to. <laughs> I think sometimes, particularly when Wales are playing, they win in. I think, you know, like Liam said earlier on, paper over the cracks. I mean, Welsh yeah. rugby's done that well for the last God knows how long. But, like, it, it can't do anything else than become more efficient. I hope so. I really do hope so. Like I said, there's grown-ups in the room. There's people who understand the the way a hundred million pound turnover business works. Plus, hundred million pound plus. Yeah, and they've experienced from other areas of life. And I think rugby's only been concerned with rugby. 
Welsh rugby is only consumed, being concerned with the people and consumed almost by rugby people within rugby, which which will only ever find the same answers to different questions. Yeah, yeah, it, it worked when rugby was amateur. Yeah, oh, and I, do, do well, it worked a bit. <laughs> it probably worked better when amateurs were running an amateur game. Yeah. Now you're looking at amateurs running a professional game who, like, you know, I mean, we've said previously, like long, long pods ago, you know, people are better professionals now and there are better professionals in place to run a more professional business. Yeah. I'd like to think so. Now. Well, the, well, they wouldn't have put in so much work to bring in like Sabi Turney and Richard Collier. Do, do you honestly think that that's their, their, that that was their first choice to do that? I think the only reason that's happened is because well, they got no. found out. Well, no, it wasn't their first choice. It would have been jobs exactly. for the boys. Yeah. It, always exactly. has been. And However, it, wasn't, it wasn't for the misogyny stuff and, and all the other stuff that coming out by a whistleblower. It would never have come out and it would have carried on as it was. 12 months time will we be saying that's been a blessing in disguise oh, 100% but I still think we've got to go deeper and worse before it gets better I just can't believe that rugby in Wales is fit. like you've got a captive audience of people who go berserk for it like people will buy the shit people will wear the shit like yeah. it should be so it should be like shooting fish in a barrel making money out of rugby in Wales so it should be you <laughs> All yeah. right. It needs a um, massive cut injection, doesn't it? Yeah. All right, then. So uh, some shout-outs to finish. Is it Mikey? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll go with a with a, with a, a bit of a yarn first, I think. Uh, shout-out to my buddy uh, Ryan Chard, uh, who I believe Reese, you would have met when we went to watch Bill Bailey. Oh, God. How long ago? 10, 15 Ryan. years, maybe. I remember Ryan. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> he... Um, you want to have a go rugby, much in the same way as you did. Wanted to have a have a crack, have a go. No, um, I, I, ne- I he never struck me as he was just having a go. Ryan was quite good from what I remember. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, like so, just want to have a go. And he said, "Oh, like you know, we can can we go and do a bit of a have a kick about and sort of like you know try and upskill in a in a in a park one in a, in a part of patch of grass somewhere one night." I said, "Aye, no problem." <laughs> what are you asking a prop? What's he asking a prop for? Anyway, you know, some of the most skilled players on the park, Liam, I'm sure you'd agree. Um Probably. uh so we went to a park one night, local, and uh, it was just kick about kicking, passing, the like. More 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 two buddies meeting <laughs> up for a kick around in the chat, but obviously with a bit of focus. Anyway. So he sticks an old Gary Owen up, doesn't he? And uh and he and he goes for it. And I thought, oh, he's never going to make it. <laughs> so I went as well. And you can clearly say I've never been watching any other fullbacks because we both went for it. None of us shouted for it. And we both hit the ground having clashed heads. And we were sparked out. It was great fun. And of course, we come, we come around after a few seconds. He gets up. He's chipped his tooth. Right? And I get up, blood everywhere. <laughs> I've got a, a bit of a split under my eye and, and all that. Like So uh, off to hospital, I went for a bit of glue. And um, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think Ryan will say that's where his rugby career absolutely ended. <laughs> what you're saying, Mike, is that your catching is as good as your passing. But nowhere near my scrummaging. <laughs> <laughs> Should have seen the that twinkle in his eye when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, 
yeah, n- n- another shout out as well as well from a from a Nelson team, and which is, I mean, when I read this stat the other day, it was unbelievable, absolutely incredible. The work going on behind the scenes with Nelson Bells is insane. So I get this: twenty nine players have been selected between uh, the Dragons and Cardiff's girls under eighteen team. Now, this is a split. There's twenty seven girls in the Dragons team. Unreal. Yes, not, not 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 taking anything away from the two girls who made it to the Blues into the Cardiff team. Absolutely, wish them all the very best. Yeah, forget your bell. I know you're looking around there. I did say the <laughs> B word. I didn't mean to. <laughs> Apologies. Just got a little bit excited there. But yeah, two, two in the Cardiff team, twenty-seven in uh, the Dragons team. Absolutely, what an incredible effort from from the club, from the girls, and what they they're doing something absolutely incredible. And um, in Fixers that went over on the, on the weekend, uh, 14 of them, 27 players, started for the Dragons with 15 in the wider match day 23. Um, not sure, uh, apologies, I'm not sure the Cardiff stat if the two girls from, from Nelson play in the Cardiff team. But that alone, you know, to get to that level yeah. in 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 the girls and women's game in Wales at the moment is is absolutely insane. And uh, I... I keep saying it myself all the time. I need to go and have a look at these the girls' games, girls and ladies' games, because there's some absolutely incredible effort. And I wonder what what the the, the senior and second team could learn off what they are doing, because it's something real, really fantastic by the looks of it. And well, well bloody done, girls. You guys have been um, funding the women's and girls' programs down in Elson for a while, haven't you? Um, and championing it. And I guess yeah. it really goes to show what rugby can look like when you yeah. actually try to nurture it because uh nelson bell's team is a hub for the area now i'm not sure what a hub means but i'm sure it can only be a good thing whether it's a, a, a team the better players gravitate to i'm not sure so i need to go and have a look uh, go away and have a little, little bit of a look at that yeah. but um yeah. being in such close proximity maybe it'd be nice to sort of I guess I'm on maybe from the nelson bells to no oh, 100 take us take us through it like and see what they're doing and maybe sort of what 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 what? Just yeah, you know, just how they go about their business, and what they do, and lovely learn something from it. All right. Um, any forbidden loves before we wrap it up? No, no forbidden love for me. But uh, if you don't mind, I'm just going to chuck a shameless plug in. Obviously, if anyone yeah. is around Everville on Saturday, and you've never watched a game of rugby league, or you have, just uh, come along. Help us one kick off. And uh, you'll see the South Wales Jets against Standing Lee Rugby League in the Betfred Challenge Cup. Excellent, Bet. So, I'm so excited for you for that one. Five, five pound entry, you know, cheapest chips. Come along and have a look at a good game. That is the cheapest chips. I drove past my local chippy today. It's three pound eighty for a bag of chips. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll dip in there with the forbidden love, and um, I must say that. Um, Dragon Supporters Club absolutely renouncing themselves from point four of the letter. Unreal. Where is the joined up like? But uh, yeah. Yeah. I know. It's, it's, we it's didn't the, see that. It's the one thing we did want to happen after that letter, and it's got it happened. Yeah. You fucking hell. All right, boys. Uh, thanks for joining me tonight. Uh, thank you, listener, for uh, tuning in. And we'll do it all again next week after the European rounds of rugby. So uh, take care and ta-ra.